Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries, Pastor Joe Schimmel. Praise the Lord. We'd like to welcome you to the Good Fight Radio Show. If uh, you're one of our normal uh, you know, fellowship partners, uh, you're used to seeing Chad invite you from this angle over here, but Chad's not here. Uh, we have a special guest today. Chad's out. He's doing our first ever uh, young you know, youth uh, retreat uh, with other brothers and sisters from other churches and so forth on the East Coast with our, some of our Good Fight team and my daughter Holly, which is his wife, and they're having a great time. They've been doing, at it for almost a week, and we're excited for them and what they're doing. Uh, but the, the work carries on, man, and here we are, and I'm excited about this show. And again, we thank you for joining us. We love you guys, and uh, we just want to get in the Word and glorify our Lord. Our lives are, as we know, like little vapors here and then gone. We want to make sure we, we're right with Jesus, and we're doing all we can for the kingdom of God. I'm excited because we have a very special guest with us today, uh, and his name is Nick Paneri. And I would get into his story, and it's going to be very instructive as to some of the things the church is facing and some of the assaults from the enemy. And uh, Nick, how you doing, bro? Excellent. Thanks okay. for having me. It's good to have you, bro. Thank you. And we're looking forward to a lot of things that you're going to share. Uh, Nick's going to share some of his journey uh, with, you know, coming, you know, basically face-to-face when he was involved in a, just recently, in a very important ministry. Uh, and I want to just, you know, steal his fire here, thunder. Uh, so I want him to kind of get into that. Uh, about, you know, and things that are probably introduced into many of the churches many of you guys have belonged to or are still at that you have to watch out for. Uh, things where the enemy tries to come under the radar. Uh, Trojan horses that seem like they're supposed to be helpful but actually take people away from Christ and the gospel. Uh, but I have an announcement of, of something that's coming out really soon. Our new DVD is practically done. Uh, and right here, you'll see, I'm holding it right now. If you've got the other uh, Marvel and DC's War on God, uh, this is part two of that series, and this is on Doctor Strange and Aleister Crowley and the multiverse of Satanism. Uh, I did a lot of work on this a long time ago, actually, when COVID just was beginning, and uh, a lot of it ended up in this video, and it's, it's a blow mine. To me, it's as powerful or more powerful than part one, and we're encouraged uh, for you guys to get it. You'll see, it's probably kind of hard to see how much close-up Tony has right there, but you'll see uh, Doctor Strange's face merged in with Aleister Crowley's, and in fact, you know what? Uh, we've got a little little teaser to show you. Uh, it's very short uh, in preparation for this, which comes out September 2nd. So you can actually get this on September 2nd. So it's just around the corner. In fact, if you're a Patreon, most of our Patreons are able to get this as early as August 26th. Uh, so if you're a Patreon, and uh, most Patreons get that date for free. So thank you for supporting the ministry. You've helped support this work. And, are helping get the gospel out. And I mean, if you want evidence that Jesus Christ is real, that Satan is real, that there's a cosmic conflict that's spiritual and that the Bible is the word of God, all kinds of ways you can prove that to non-believers. But one of the best ways we found to prove it is by showing the very idols in darkness that God's word exposes and uh, showing how wicked they are and turning people to Christ. And it's a great way not only to, uh, you know, be fired up to serve the Lord, to live a holy life, uh, to to be an active in prayer and in the word and in spiritual warfare, but also a good way to witness the lost by a lot of people are using these videos to do just that. And 
Uh, before we get into the submerging church and this ongoing march of just, you know, uh, just false doctrine in the church, uh, and Nick's own journey with what he, you know, just went through pretty recently, uh, first let's get into a little bit, Nick, some, you know, some good news, uh, and that's the fact that, uh, uh, that you're becoming a pastor. Uh, you'll be ordained this Sunday. You're already called by the Lord. We just basically recognize God's calling on his life. And then you'll be going the very next day to Idaho. It's heartbreaking yeah. because you've been in this fellowship since you were three years old. You know, uh, you've turned out to be a wonderful a disciple of Christ. And you're now you're discipling others. And that's the way it ought to be done. And, and uh, I just want to ask you, uh, uh, so what do you think and what's going on and kind of spell out a little bit where you're going, what part of Idaho and and who's out there waiting for you and mm -hmm. you know yeah so idaho's a pretty small town they say it's around 10 to fifteen thousand. or grown. star or star that's right yeah so star is a pretty small town in idaho it's about fifteen thousand people or so um grown quite a lot over the last couple of years uh many people from the church i think here. from our fellowship yeah, yeah from our fellowship <laughs> is what really increased the population over there <laughs> and so the lord was just burning on my heart over well, the last couple months to go up there and to preach. And I got the opportunity to do that over the last couple of years a couple times. And I was just blessed every time I went up there. And I was like, Lord, if, if this is what you want for me and my family, please start opening the doors to do that. And the more we were crying out to the Lord, the more we were fasting and praying, um, I started to see a shift going on at my job at the Ventura County Rescue Mission right around that same time. And so I was thinking, Lord, is this, is this you kind of pushing me out of my job to push me up there? Because prior to that, my job was going really well. I was preaching the gospel. Yeah. I'll probably talk about that in a minute here. Yeah. And that all changed. And so I remember texting the brothers, uh, the elders, and calling you guys and meeting up with you and just sharing my heart saying, I really think God's calling me and my family yeah, I remember that. to go shepherd the church. And... Sure enough, here we are. Uh, Monday, uh, Lee and I are going to drive up there. The kids are going to fly up, so we're not going to have them in the car for the 14-hour drive. Thank the Lord. Um, but we're really looking forward to it. We're excited. Um, we Praise know that God. God has a lot in store for us, but there's the nerves. There's the anxiety. There's there's a flood of emotions going on. Sure. We're going to miss the church here. and uh, We're going to miss you a lot. We're very blessed. Yeah. Amen. We've Amen. already had... A lot of us had tears over it. We love Nick and his lovely wife, Leah. She's going to make a great pastor's wife and a great uh, minister of reconciliation in her own right. Great kids, great family. Uh, I think it was, I don't know how long before that, a year or so before that or so, you know, I, I hit you up for the first time about considering possibly pastoring out there. Mm -hmm. uh, and the timing wasn't right, but it was something to pray about and so forth. But it didn't look like it was going in that direction uh, and until something really strange happened, and that's uh, we've supported as a, a fellowship. We uh, support, you know, crisis pregnancy clinics and uh, missions in various parts of the world, the poor in various areas, and we've also uh, supported various missions, including the Union Rescue Mission for a number of years in Ventura County, and they've done they had done a lot of good, and we were grateful for that. Uh, but Nick, uh, we hit some snags because they got some new leadership in there. Uh, and I'd preach there off and on for a, a bit. And then uh, Chad uh, ended up being preaching there a lot in for the course of, I think, you know, a few years or so, two, three years. And they got a new leader, and he came in, and uh, you could maybe say what happened. I just, I'll say this. They scrubbed all of Chad's messages. 
Uh, and then something happened with regard to, I think, you know, graduation night or a night that's like graduation night. And then all of a sudden things got even darker and they got dark for you. And anybody that was proclaiming just the straight word of God. So I want you to share with our, this should be very instructive because this happens thousands of times over at different churches and, and different parachurch movements. Yeah. Yeah, so I was blessed at first when I got hired. Uh, they asked me to counsel and preach and teach and encourage the guys that were going through the rescue mission program. It's a 10-month life recovery program. Guys are coming off the streets. They're getting out of jail. Um, and they're addicted to drugs, many of them. And they need they need help. They need hope. They need yeah, the gospel. Yeah. And I was able to preach the unfiltered, unadulterated gospel. And Praise I was just the Lord, able bro. to preach the word of God. And it was awesome. And guys were getting saved and rededicating their lives to the Lord. They were I was doing baptisms and and I think it was somewhere around that time, the first six months to a year, to where that's I think around that time then that you asked me to possibly pastor up and star and i i was like man i'm really blessed where i'm at right yeah. now like i'm blessed serving the church the young adult ministry here i'm blessed serving at the rescue mission i'm able to preach the gospel every thursday morning i had a time slot to where it was actually pretty early 7 15 a.m i would go into work early and i would have about 20 to 30 guys depending on the thursday to where I could just open up the word. I was going through the entire New Testament with some of the other chaplains, and we were just preaching through the whole Praise New Testament. God. Guys are asking questions. Yeah, that, man. Yeah, they're, they were excited about the word of God. They really they wanted to memorize it, meditate on it. They wanted us to put together different projects and different assignments for them. And I had one guy, he would turn in 15 to 20 pages worth of assignments on just questions from the scripture. Just studying deep in the Bible. Praise God. And he was an atheist. He said, <laughs> I've been to church twice in my whole life. And he was 50 years old when he came into the rescue wow. mission. And he's he's like, I'm saved now. I'm on fire for the Lord. Like, maybe I can pastor someday if that's the Lord's will. And so I was able to disciple guys like that. And you were seeing from what we've talked about in the past, just all kinds of beautiful fruit, you know? Yeah. And that's just so, so, so blessed. People coming off the streets. Becoming new creations in Christ, you know, yeah. uh, and so forth. And all of a sudden, a wrench was thrown in the whole thing to where now the gospel was being adulterated. Mm -hmm. I believe it was the college professor from Rick Warren's uh, Saddleback Church who had been there with Rick Warren and traveled with him. And I don't know if he was his right-hand man, but a guy that was a strong associate with Rick Warren's came in to the rescue mission, took over, and there were changes. And before you knew it, I mean, what happened? Yeah, so it was really odd. Um, like that Thursday morning um, teaching time that I just talked to you about, uh, they came up to me one day and just said, you know what, we're not going to have you teach that anymore. We're going we're gonna to have someone else teach that, actually the nighttime security guard. I was like, and we don't even know if we're going to have him teach through the New Testament. I think it was going to be more of a celebrate recovery or some sort of other curriculum that he was going to be teaching. I Which thought, Rick Warren helped co-author. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And so that was odd. I started to see a shift and a change and uh, a pushing for curriculums like the Celebrate Recovery and other curriculums. And I started to push back and say, isn't, isn't God's word, isn't Second Peter 1.3 still applicable today, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness? And I said, I'm not against uh, curriculums. I'm not against biblically-based curriculums. Biblically-based is the key, right? Yeah. But... And maybe we can talk about it in a minute, but Celebrate Recovery and some of the other curriculums that they wanted to implement, 
there was some serious errors in there. Yeah. And I'm just trying to be a brand. I'm trying to compare scripture, compare what they're saying, compare the curriculums with the scripture, right. because I don't want to be teaching these guys false doctrines. Yeah, a lot of teaching. people aren't aware that the emerging church, uh, a lot of people become aware of it lately in the last so many years, but it's still around. And a lot of people are like, what's the emerging church? And uh, we did a whole video on, I think it's like two, almost three hours or so long. And uh, caught, in fact, a lot of the, uh, the, the, the picture that Tony used uh, to promote this particular expose and this discussion uh, is from the front cover. And we call it the submerging church. And it's a church basically like a ship going down, a church going down in the water. And that's what's happening. It's basically liberalism, uh, that which is uh, false Christianity, which is acquiesced with the world and conformed to the world and accepted, whether it's homosexuality, accepted you know women pastors, things that have not been taught in the church for almost 2,000 years and accepted because they're unbiblical, uh, uh, all kinds of uh, one-worldism, you know, one-world religion, one-world government. Uh, Rick Warren, the three-legged stool, you know, will get world peace through government, joining with business, joining with the church. Uh, really spooky stuff. Uh, but some people aren't aware of what the emerging church is. In fact, I was surprised. I told, heard from uh, <laughs> Tony a little while back that, hey, do you know our submerging church video is on Amazon Prime? And people, we're getting so many people writing in after they're seeing it, they're shocked. And I hadn't seen any of the reviews, and uh, knowing that I was going to be having a discussion with you today on this, I, I clicked uh, the Amazon Prime version of it, and, and I went to the reviews, and there was over 300 reviews. Uh, the great majority of them were five stars. And if you haven't seen that, I think it's like a buck ninety-nine to rent, you know. And uh, if you want, and you're like, man, I, I don't have a buck ninety-nine, you know. Go ahead and click it and watch it. I think it's a buck ninety-nine. I could be wrong. And then send us the bill, okay? If you really watch it, we'll, we'll pay the bill for you. Uh, or, or, you know, give you a couple bucks or a few bucks off a of tape. I always get in trouble because I always give things out. So I'm looking at Tony right now. He's like, and it, it, it's not that we don't want to give things <laughs> no. out. It's like, this makes things difficult. It's like, well, how do we pull this off? But just go watch it if you haven't seen it. And please watch it. And I think you're going to, and give it five stars because the more five stars it gets, the more people and the more comments, uh, you can actually witness the people because people go and say, what's this that are, that are watching at Amazon Prime? But go ahead and check out the Submerging Church. I mean, you'll be blown away. Instead of going watching some Hollywood movie, man, click that thing. And you'll, you'll, you'll really be, uh, in fact, you know what? I asked Tony, I said, maybe we can show, because Chad, Chad showed like five or six clips a few weeks back on this. And I'm like, man, timing is crazy because I'm talking to Nick about this, but he didn't show the trailer. And I said, hey, let's show him, let's show him one of the trailers, a couple trailers, so you get an idea of what it's about. Praise God. If you guys have not seen that video, you really need to check it out and be informed because uh, it's really eye-popping. Popping. I'm really happy to have Nick with me. Uh, good time because... Nick has, you know, went through some bad times with regard to, can you write a little book, Nick, on what you just went through? Uh, quite crazy. So one of the things when Rick, the Rick Warren pastor came in from Saddleback and just restructured and led the, re, the rescue mission, there was a time that you tried to endure it. You tried to say, hey, how can I still preach the gospel? Because you were seeing men's lives change. You were seeing men become born again. I know when you left, different people were in tears that you were leaving because they'd gotten close to the Lord through you and it led to Christ through you, and it was heartbreaking. But one of the things you ran up against was uh, Rick Warren had a big hand in uh, Celebrate Recovery. Basically, it's a, the 12-step program that comes from, you know, uh, you know, Bob, you know, Bob Smith and Bill, Bill, Bill Wilson, I'm sorry, and uh, Bob Smith, the co-founders of the 12-step the program, but they kind of Christianized it, right, and brought it into your group, and they wanted you guys to do that for a time instead of mm -hmm. actually preaching the gospel. Mm -hmm. What happened? 
Yeah, I even remember they did bring it in in parts of the mission. And because I remember receiving an email one morning and one of the chaplain's assistants, he was distraught because he said, you know what, in the morning, the guys in the program, they used to pray to the Lord just from their hearts. And now they're just reading these celebrate recovery prayers. I guess they were being instructed to straight out of the book. And it was heartless. It was as if the spirit wasn't there. They were all distraught. Like, we want to get back to praying together and worshiping together. And so that was really sad to hear. And it was, I think that the staff there or those that were implementing it would say, no, 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 no. We want you to preach the gospel and the word of God. But and this, it was almost like the Galatian heresy uh, or in the Old Testament. Like, yeah, worship Yahweh. Yeah, sure. You can worship Yahweh. Just let's worship these false gods as well. You can worship Baal as well. You can. And and it was like, no, I can't teach that as well. I can't teach false doctrines. I can't teach things that are tainted. And I want to share with you guys a quote from the Celebrate Recovery book. And this is on page 238. And it states, the Lord spreads his message through the eight principles and the 12 steps. We are the instruments for delivering the good news. The way we live will show others our commitment to our program, to our Lord, and to them. So there's this heavy emphasis on the eight principles, the 12 steps, to where that almost becomes front and center. That that almost becomes the good news. Although they would never say that, in practice, that's what ends up happening. Yeah, It's just really on a practical level to that's, see that. That's really heartbreaking, Nick. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, too, because what you're doing is kind of interesting how you, you mentioned, you know, you use the biblical parallel. It's almost like, hey, in the Old Testament, they worship Yahweh, but then they brought in the worship of Baal. You know, even when they went up to, uh, Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments, he came back and they were worshiping. They were calling the idol that they made the golden calf, which is based on an idol out of Egypt, and they are calling it Yahweh, you know, as though they could synthesize the two. And that's what we see happening with the uh, celibate recovery. We're taking a system that was basically introduced by uh, men that admitted in contact with the spiritual world uh, that were occultists. And I'm talking about Bill Wilson and, and, and Bob Jones, the co-founders of the, uh, the 12-step program uh, that was made into Celebrate Recovery with 12 steps, and they were just Christianized. But the 12-step program is a false religion. You're mixing two religions together. Uh, and if you're, you're in a 12-step program, maybe you weren't aware of this, but maybe the Lord's allowing you to watch this so you'll be aware. Uh, you, all you need is Jesus, man, and His Word. Jesus never said, hey, follow the 12-step program. Jesus said, follow me. And Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will transform you and he will guide you in all truth, and that his word is more than sufficient for you, you know? And he wants us to be in his word and transformed by his word. It's supernatural. But in the 12-step program that they basically synthesized into this Celebrate Recovery, the 12-step program, I mean, you, God can be a dot on the ceiling. You know, he could be the doorknob. You could pick any God. And Jesus is one among many gods. So you basically have polytheism. It's not Christianity. There are many ways, uh, you know, any planet Jesus is a planet and you know whatever planet you want to associate with and they proselytize they try to bring people into the into the 12-step program uh, into their group and so forth and again they have a, a code of ethics a moral religious code which is you know uh, the book and so what you're doing they're doing is just synthesizing the two together and I'm glad that you got a massive check in your spirit and you check that out and I think it's important that we recognize this in fact just so you know in case you've been involved you know someone who's involved in the 12-step program where did this thing come from I think it's interesting, in the book Pass It On, it's the definitive biography, the official biography of Alcoholics Anonymous, and, uh, and it's about, co- it's uh, uh, the 
on the co-founder, Bill Wilson. And I think it's very interesting because in chapter 16 of the definitive Alcoholics Anonymous biography, uh, Bill, uh, Bill Wilson in chapter 16 is, is said to be deeply involved, uh, or not only, involved, not only said to have psychic abilities, but his partner, uh, Bob Jones, and his wife, Annie, is supposed to be uh, deeply involved in the occult, as well as it states in that book. And on page 277 of Pass It On, uh, we read that co-founder Bill Wilson was contacting spirit entities through, uh, you know, just various spirit entities. He gives them, he says their names in this book. And I was actually reading the book online a little bit today. And he talks about how uh, when he was sharing this in the names of these entities that he's been in contact with, with a particular host when he flew into an area, he said of the host, he knew little of psychics, calling himself a psychic there, and had heard nothing before of my adventures. This is the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. And he states on page 278 uh, of this book, Pass It On, uh, the Ouija board began moving in earnest, Bill Wilson says, using Ouija boards as early as 1941 with his wife, contacting spirit entities. What followed was a fairly usual experience, and it was strange, and he mentions contacting Aristotle and St. Francis and diverse archangels with old, uh, with odd names and deceased friends, some still in purgatory, he says, and others who, uh, who are doing nicely, he says, thank you. Then he says, quote, there were malign and mis uh, mischievous ones of all descriptions telling of vices, uh, these evil vices, these demonic entities. And then he says, there were also these uh, seemingly virtuous entities. Notice he says seemingly, Nick. I mean, he's not even sure if they were really virtuous or not. But it's interesting because on page 280 of this book, it says, Bill and Bob believe vigorously, these are the two founders now, believe vigorously and aggressively they were working away at the spiritualism. I'm sorry. They were working away at the spiritualism. It was not just a hobby. Now, it's interesting because, you guys, the Bible condemns contacting spirits, as most of you know, if you've been in an audience for any time long, if you uh, consider yourself, you know, uh, a part of this ministry and, and getting the good news out and warning of the lies. Leviticus 19.31 says, do not speak out uh, to mediums or do not seek out mediums and spiritists. Don't seek these things, right? Do not seek out and be defiled by them because they'll pollute you, they'll corrupt you, they're deceptive, they're demonic. I am the Lord your God. And then in Deuteronomy 18 verses 10 and 11 and 12, it says, there shall not be found among you. He says, a medium or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead for whoever does these things is detestable or an abomination uh, to God. So uh, when you think, when we think about this, you're basically taking a system. And by the way, Bill Wilson, he'd sit on his couch and receive messages, right? And the 12 messages, the 12 uh, steps came pretty quickly. They came abruptly. And he wrote these things down. It's probably automatic writing from this demonic world. What's the objective? Because a lot of times people are struggling with alcohol. They're struggling with drugs. They're struggling with, they're enslaved to these various things. And they need to come to Christ. But what Satan's done, he's created this umbrella. He said, come over here, I'll help you. You get over there and you might get off your alcohol. You might get off your drugs. Many of them go back and forth. But you might actually become clear of those. But what's happening, a lot of those groups are sleeping around with each other. They're not repenting of sin. They're still involved in great darkness. They're still perishing and going to hell. And they're thinking that they're all right because they've got a relationship with the God of their own understanding. And the tragedy is they don't know about being born again. If you preach just Jesus and you preach you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God in one of these meetings, you'll soon get shut down typically. And the sad thing is, is you're called to identify yourself and say, hey, you know, I'm an alcoholic or I'm, I'm an addict. The truth is, though, if you are in Christ, you're no longer a drunkard. 
And, they, and by the way, they think it's a disease. It's not a disease. The Bible calls it sin. And the Bible says the remedy is forgiveness that comes through Jesus and the transformed life that comes through being born again, right, and being regenerated. So the Bible says if anyone be in Christ is a new creation, behold, old things have passed away and all things become new. You aren't still an addict. You're not still a drunkard. If you're still a drunkard, you need to repent and get right with Jesus and get saved. So you'll be saved and born again and no longer one of those things. So Nick, it's really heartbreaking that they're basically telling you, hey, you have to synthesize Christianity with paganism here and pretend that you're preaching the whole gospel. And that must have been really, really hard. And from what I understand, I mean, they really didn't seem to believe then in the sufficiency of Scripture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, these guys were doing Bible studies, like I said. I was able to teach them uh, regularly, which was awesome. And then we went from even, we had a Tuesday night Bible study at one point with the guys where they were just going through the book of Proverbs. And it was one of the most, it was optional, but it was still packed, like every Tuesday night. And then they shifted from that and said, we're going to drop these guys off at a local Celebrate Recovery uh, get-together. And the guys went from being excited to sharing about the Proverbs and learning the Word of God to going to these Celebrate Recovery meetings where the guys would come back literally with their heads down going, uh, I didn't learn anything about the Lord. I didn't learn anything about the Word. Everything was superficial, shallow. Yeah. They're using worldly terms and not biblical terms. And it was heartbreaking. And... I don't know if they're still going to those or not, but I was doing everything I could to say, let's <laughs> let's point them to the Lord through his word. And that's what we were hired to do there, to yeah. teach them the word of God. Instead, we're trying to, all these different programs and curriculums that aren't even biblical, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it's and that's, that's the key. You know, they're not yeah. biblical and it is heartbreaking, especially yeah. when you get to see lives being transformed and changed and then all of a sudden you're, you're bridled, you know. And I, I just think, uh, you know, we're going to show one, other, one more clip uh, from this Emerging Church video. Uh, but And this, this is a clip where we're showing Rick Warren. And the reason we're showing him, because some people say, well, Rick Warren wasn't part of this Emerging Church movement. And, and he's denied it because he knows how wicked it is probably. But guess what? He knows people are like, man, run. Do not walk to the nearest exit. You know, that's like a plague. But guess what? Rick Warren said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not, you know, endorsing the, the Emerging Church or things to that effect. But then guess what he's done? He's turned around and endorsed some of their top writers and encouraged them in their promotion of the emerging church movement. Richard Abanis, who uh, was one of the leaders there at Saddleback and really had become like Rick Warren's personal apologist, he sat down with Rick Warren and had him answer a bunch of questions to his critics and published a book uh, where Rick Warren answers his critics and he's asked about his promotion. Does he, you know, promote or, uh, you know, the emerging church? and and Rick Warren gives an answer where he basically denies it. He says, Christians basically look silly, you know, jumping on the bandwagon, the postmodern bandwagon, when everybody else in the world's jumping off, we look silly because just when the world's abandoning postmodernism, here we are jumping on. And that's what he says in response to whether or not he's for the emerging church. But the crazy thing is, when you go to uh, pastors.com, his, his website, there's an endorsement of emergent books. There's an endorsement of emergent practices. Rick Warren has even gotten so far as to endorse Spencer Burke's The Ooze website. Warren states that The Ooze website is, quote, one of the best online communities related to postmodern ministry. This is really sad because Rick Warren has pointed thousands of pastors to Spencer Burke's Ooze website. Spencer Burke is the one who says that the church needs to listen to more heretics. We need to listen to a few heretics. Spencer Burke is the one who has taken his congregation into a Buddhist temple to practice occult guided imagery. In fact, 
Dan Kendall's book called The Emergent Church, which is about so-called vintage Christianity for new generations. What's sad about Rick Warren and The Emerging Church is he actually endorsed Dan Kimball's book on The Emerging Church. Uh, in fact, he wrote the sidebars alternating with Brian McLaren for that book. In fact, I'll quote to you what he says about that book, which I think it makes it quite clear where he stands with much of The Emerging Church. Warren states, quote, This book is a wonderful, detailed example of what a purpose-driven church can look like in a postmodern world. My friend Dan Kimball writes passionately with a deep desire to reach the emerging generation and culture. While my book, The Purpose-Driven Church, explained uh, what the church is called to do, Dan's book explains how to do it with the cultural creatives who think and feel in postmodern terms. You need to pay attention to him because times are changing. Wow. Uh, so, Nick, <laughs> you, you get these emerging church principles, which is basically liberalism that's been bankrupt for years and that emptied churches for generations, repackaged in, in modern cloth and brought in a lot of the same old heresies. In fact, one of the things that's promoted among many false teachers is that, you know, we really need to forgive ourselves. And I, I, I remember you saying that, that that was something that was being taught there. Yeah, I remember going through the Celebrate Recovery book uh, when we were going to incorporate it into our curriculum there and into our teachings at the rescue mission. And I, I stumbled upon um, this. It's on page 193 of um, Celebrate Recovery. It states, the last kind of forgiveness is perhaps the most difficult for us to extend. We need to forgive ourselves. Have you forgiven yourselves? How can you love or forgive your neighbor if you can't love or forgive yourself? And I thought, I don't know of any verses that talk about that. Um, do you know uh, <laughs> no, I don't know of any, Nick. In fact, I don't, there's not a single verse from Genesis to Revelation uh, that, that mentions that we need to forgive ourselves. Uh, there's not a single example of where it says someone forgave themselves or that was their problem and they did that. Uh, nowhere, anywhere in Scripture. In fact, the Scriptures talk about how we're supposed to deny ourselves. We're not supposed to have pity parties. Satan wants you to live in a pity party. Uh, God wants us to deny ourselves. Jesus commanded us to deny ourselves and follow him. What we need to do is if you're deal dealing with guilt, the only way you can get rid of that guilt is by accepting his forgiveness. And that's what the gospel is all about. Jesus said, you know, uh, that we'd have complete forgiveness through faith in him. And Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God is salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also to the Greek man. It's the power of God for salvation. So when we come to Christ, Nick, we receive forgiveness in fact, when David, remember, he sinned radically, and he says, against you only have I sinned. Okay, so he, we need forgiveness from God, and then we need to celebrate that forgiveness, and we need to have, live lives of thanksgiving and realize that we've been forgiven. If we're, if we're dealing with guilt and so forth, well, maybe we haven't truly accepted the fact that he's forgiven us. That has nothing to do with us forgiving ourselves. It's not like, you know, we, we are in a position to where we can forgive ourselves because there's a righteous side of us. No, we need to totally depend on his, his grace and his mercy. But I think even just even worse, if it could get any worse, is uh, you'd mentioned, I know when we were talking, that they're also teaching that you need to forgive God. Yeah, yeah. On uh, page 192 of Celebrate Recovery, I couldn't believe this when I read it, but it says, by the way, on your list of others to, forg to forgive, you might have forgotten about someone you may need to forgive, God. Yes, you heard me right, God. Now, to his credit, he goes on to say that God is holy. He describes the attributes of God. But why 
why use this language? Why even bring this up is beyond my mind. I have no clue yeah. why he would say that. If you truly regard God as holy, 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 uh, those words would never leave your mouth. You could never write them down that God, you need to tell somebody they need to forgive God. Even if you sanctimoniously say, yeah, but ultimately I know he's holy, but you still probably need to do this. You're implying to the person, the implication is that God is somehow deficient, that God has somehow sinned against you, that he, he's betrayed you in some way, uh, which the Bible says God is light and in him there's no darkness at all, period. You know, First uh, John 1, 5. And James chapter 1 says that God, he talks about his perfection and that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights and there's no shadow of turning in him at all because he's perfectly light, right? And it says he doesn't do evil, doesn't tempt people to do evil. He's perfectly holy. Uh, whenever there's a problem, it's never with God. Whenever someone needs forgiveness, it's never God. And that, Nick, that is, if it doesn't border, I, I'm saying, I'm sorry, that doesn't border, that is, that's blasphemous, you know? And that's what happens when you get away from the Word of God and you say, we've got a better plan for sanctifying people. We've got a better plan to give, give people victory. Victory comes through Jesus Christ, and we're more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. Let's stick to Jesus. So, Nick, uh, moving on, it gets even more blasphemous. Uh, from I understand, you are also, in some of the curriculum there, uh, they were teaching that, you know, Jesus didn't really die for our sins. He didn't, he didn't really die on the cross to, to pay for our sins in, in, in our place. Mm -hmm. And that is another, that's a serious heresy because that strikes at, first we're, they're seeing them strike at the heart of who God is. Now we're seeing them strike at the heart of the gospel, mm -hmm. Christ's substitution atonement for mm -hmm. our sins. Why don't you speak to that issue and share some of your experiences in that regard? Yeah, so they started to incorporate what's called the Alpha videos. I've never heard of them before. I actually um, think there's some churches even in the area that are promoting these videos. And I started to just look through the curriculum, watch the videos, and I stumbled by um, upon this quote from a video titled, Why Did Jesus Die? So this is Nicky Gumbel. He's the creator of these Alpha videos. And in this video, episode three, uh, titled, Why Did Jesus Die? This is what Nicky Gumbel says. He says, it's not that on the cross God punished some innocent third party, Jesus. That would be barbaric. No, God himself came to this earth in the person of his son. God was in Christ recon reconciling you and me to God. Now, we believe that, that God was reconciling us to God through the death of Jesus. But that's not the only thing that happened on the cross. Jesus took the wrath of God upon himself for our sins. And I thought, just that quote alone, I do not want to... Uh, promote these videos if this pastor and this person who created these videos um, is going to say something like this. I mean, Isaiah fifty three ten says, "Yet it was the Lord's will, the Lord's will to crush him and to cause yeah. him to suffer." And right there, we see that it's the Lord's will, the, the Lord Lord's, crushed him Lord, in our yeah, place. Absolutely. I mean, what happened on the cross, right, Nick? It became dark—the darkness that we should experience. He was thirsty. We should be suffering eternal thirst in hell. You know, it's, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We should be forsaken forever. But he went through what we deserved for us because it says, as you know, Nick, in Galatians 3, it says that, you know, curse is everyone who does not continue in all the things of the law. And that's all of us. We've all sinned. We're all under a curse. But it goes on to say that he became cursed for us in our place. And in 2 Corinthians 5, I think 21, it says that, you know, that, he became sin. He became the sin offering for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And 
And you quoted five fifty three ten, and but five verses before that, before it says he, he 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 crushed him, it says that he you know bore our transgressions, you know, and by his stripes we are healed, and all the typologies, you know, so many typologies on the cross, even from the very get go. Think about what happened. Adam and Eve tried to cover up their sin with and their shame with 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 fig leaves, but God slayed animals and covered them with animal skin, showing that no sin's a big deal. You can't just want to be God and rebel against me and be in full rebellion. Justice, there has to be justice. There has to be blood. There's no, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins, it says. And so he slays animals and he clothes them with animal skins. A picture of the ultimate sacrifice and that God would help himself have to die in our place, which they deny. And you can go all the way to Genesis 22, just chapters later, and you see Isaac be laid on Mount Moriah, which is where Christ was crucified. And he's being laid down and... God tells him to stop through the angel of the Lord. He stops and he says, hey, he sees a, a ram, a male lamb, caught in the thickets with a crown of thorns, right? The horns, and he comes and he kills that instead of Isaac. And we're told that that was a type, a picture of Christ's resurrection because it says of that mountain in chapter 2 of Genesis, and it's just a powerful picture, a great way to witness to Jewish people because it's in the Jewish Bible. Right there in chapter 22, Nick, he says, in the mountain of the Lord it will be seen. Well, what will be seen? That the Messiah himself, says Abraham, desired to see his day and saw it and was glad. And the gospel was preached, first of all, to or early to Abraham, it says. And he got to see a picture of what Christ would do. When God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, and sacrifice on Mount Moriah. Well, he didn't because God took his only son whom he loves and sacrificed him in our stead, in Isaac's stead, for us. It's definitely substitution atonement. One more example of that, I think, is that's beautiful. And there's many of them we got to get to some other questions, is, and it's really powerful, is uh, the Passover. Your firstborn was going to be dead, man, but take the blood of the Passover lamb, make it in the form of a cross, right? The blood on both sides, a full-born, full-grown male, unblemished lamb, a picture of Jesus, and then the death angel will pass over it. Why? Because your son doesn't have to die, because that lamb died in his place, but that lamb was a picture of Jesus, and when Jesus came on the scene, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus took our sins, he paid for them, and it's a false gospel if you're teaching people that he didn't pay for our sins. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And sadly, I mean, all these things, wonderful things were happening at the Union Rescue Mission here, and then all of a sudden the enemy comes in via people, and all of a sudden everything is, a wrench is thrown in. All of a sudden the guys that are being, having fruitful lives, seeking Jesus, excited about the word, are now caught in a 12-step program that's been inspired by demonic entities through Bob Smith and Bill Wilson. And yeah. other false teachings that you were... What are some other things that you were encountering? Yeah, and as I... Right before I left the rescue mission, they were bringing in uh, something that's called the Genesis process. And um, I was given a book, Red Dog, Blue Dog, it was titled. And it w- instead of using the biblical terms, the flesh and the spirit, as Paul does in many places, like Romans 6, I believe, Galatians 5 and elsewhere... Um, they wanted me to use the, the language red dog, blue dog, and use it frequently. And I, I don't mind using uh, illustrations like that in passing, but to just use that kind of terminology instead of biblical terminology, I, to me, that's drifting away from the Bible rather than bringing people to the Word I remember when that was happening, you see me at church and you say, hey, red dog, what was that, the good guy or the bad guy? <laughs> the, no, no, he wasn't doing that. But they just yeah. made that, incorporate that as part of your vocabulary, huh? Yeah. So that yeah. they just want to just totally use this new vocabulary to describe Christianity? Yeah, exactly. And I, what problems did you run into with regard to that? 
I just, I didn't feel comfortable with that. And even some of the guys in the program and other people that I talked to about it were just saying, that's really weird. Um, and then I, I started to study the book a little bit more. And this was even more concerning um, than that. And that's that there was a Catholic Buddhist monk in this book. He, he's, so in the book, they're telling mm-hmm. you to now go through, instead of the Bible now, mm-hmm. it's featuring a Catholic Buddhist monk? Yep, yep. And his website, gratefulness.org. And I thought, who who is this person? I, I'm curious. And I began to research him a little bit. And his name is Brother David Steindl-Rast. And I uh, watched this interview online with him titled Faith, Mysticism, and Prayer. And this took me aback, and I'm sure it will with you as well. And let me quote him. He says, God is really a direction than something. God is not something. God is not even someone. Not a person like you and I are persons because you and I are persons limits us. Because I am a person, I cannot be you. Because you are a person, you cannot be me. But all those who believe in God know what they mean by it. Do not believe that God cannot be you and me. God is you and me. And in that sense, can say, I am God. When I, when I heard that in that interview, I almost, I don't know, I almost fell out of my chair. Here's the guy saying, God is you and me. God's not somebody. God's not someone else. And he's featured in this book. His website is featured in this book. Um, and I'm, I'm asked to teach Horrible, from this book. Man. And I go, I, I cannot, this book is polluted. I, I cannot teach from it. Good and, for you. You see yeah. why we chose him as a pastor, and the Lord did for Idaho. Guys out in Idaho near Star Eagle, that area, Nick will be out there starting pastorship uh, this coming week. Amen. And so, yeah, even on his uh, website, gratefulness.org, he recommends reading Eckhart Tolle, who I believe is in Submerging Church. And if not, he's definitely part of that. We've movement. exposed him before. He's a full blown New Ager, channels demons, his eyes roll up in his head, possessed. Oprah Winfrey's had him on to promote the New Age movement over and over again. In fact, she says that he's one of her main teachers in the past, and he's a total New Ager, teaching the same demonic lies. And by the way, Nick, does the Bible say that we're gods? (laughs) No, quite the opposite. Um, (laughs) You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You know, there's only one uncreated creator of all things, and that's the Lord God. And so it's just heartbreaking to see this. And it's just like, why do you have to put a person like this, promote his website, in in this curriculum, um, I was just so bewildered. So yeah, it's like back. so many lies coming from so many directions. And the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, mm-hmm. but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Some of these doctrines we expose in this Emerging Church video, like the idea that Jesus uh, didn't, you know, Chalk and other man, uh, they co-wrote a book and they say it would be cosmic child abuse if God's son was punished for our sins. No, it would be God becoming flesh because he loves us so much and he's just that he wanted to make sure the payment was paid so we didn't have to pay it. That's the ultimate love. He calls the ultimate expression of love and what God did for us, he blasphemes it. They blaspheme God's character so often. Uh, he wrote a book uh, on the Apostle Paul Chalk did, who we quote subsequent to our movie coming out. And uh, in that book, he talks about, you know, half of the epistles, he says, pretty much like six of the 13. Uh, you know, they, he's, and it, he says six of the 13 were basically... Uh, lots, you know, were not written by Paul. He insinuates that. It's like, oh, really? Just a lot of this is liberalism in the church. And, and then, you know what? He says he believes that everybody's going to be saved in the end. And that book, the forward, is written by uh, Rob Bell. You know, that's the main endorsement, I should say. And he comes out because 
What they do is they play both sides of the fence. He comes out and says, oh, I'm not a universalist. I don't believe in universalism. Well, what he's saying is maybe he doesn't believe in pluralism. There's many ways to God. But he believes that everybody will be saved through the gospel of Christ. And therefore, he denies the teachings of Jesus who said, enter the, the narrow gate. You know, for narrow is the way, you know, straight is the gate. Narrow is the gate. Straight is the way at least life and fewer others will find it. But, you know, broad is the gate. Spacious is the way at least to destruction. Many go that way. Jesus was really clear on this. And we have to be faithful to the words of Christ. And I'm just, I was so, I can't tell you guys, I was so blessed uh, to see Nick, you know, fighting the good fight and taking a stand. And I've known Nick to be that uh, way since I've known him, since he was a little kid. You know, deep down, he wanted to follow the Lord. And I remember he went to a, a, a professing Christian university not far from here. And, and his Bible teacher was actually trying to show the discrepancies of the Bible. And Nick's faith was really challenged, you know. And uh, Nick basically refuted him in a paper he wrote. I think he might have only got a C or B <laughs> on that one, right, Nick? Yeah. Uh, and so I saw him pass that test. And then I saw him pass other tests. And we eventually made Nick an elder. Uh, and he's had such an impact on so many people, Nick, in this fellowship. We're so grateful for the work that you've done, you know. Uh, you just People just have been really impacted by the young adult ministry and so forth. And so it really broke my heart to see what was happening at the rescue mission. But we already seen Chad's messages scrubbed before that started happening with you. And, and Sister D, a sister that's been part of our fellowship for years. She just moved a little bit ago to take care of her mom. And hopefully she'll be back pretty soon. Uh, but she was headed up the women's side of the Union Rescue Mission. And she got forced out too because she was just straight Jesus girl. Same kind of thing happened. Another whole story there. And she's precious. But it was neat to see you fight the good fight, take a stand on truth. And, um, you know, that confirmed, not that I need more confirmation, but that Nick was our man to go up to uh, our live streamers because we have a lot of Blessed Hope people that moved up there that watch us live stream. They have their fellowship up there. They're beautiful people. Some of us, my family over there, but they're all my church family and then other people that joined that group and, and we, we're trying to get pastors in our live stream groups and you know uh, and, and we're really happy that you're, you're going to Idaho bro it's exciting yeah I am too and by the way you know as far as us being gods man we have a hard time even pulling off these shows you know <laughs> uh, we have a hard time uh, getting all the stuff done we get to I have a hard time tying my shoe sometimes you know uh, but I'll say this is that uh, Satan's first lie was to himself I would be like the most high God. I would ascend above the stars, you know, size of the north, you know. Be like the most high, all that. And his first lie to Eve, because it worked, he thought, man, that's pretty powerful. I can see myself on that. I can see Eve. Hey, Eve, you shall be as God. She fell for it. The Antichrist, it says, he'll sit in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. But you know what the Bible says about the false gods, including humans that think they're God? The Bible says in, Je in uh, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 10, that the gods who have not made the heavens of the earth, that they shall perish from the heavens of the earth. If you think you're a God, you're going to just perish. And hearts break for you. You need to get right with God and recognize you're created in His image and you need to bow before Him and, and come to know uh, the, the one and only uh, true God. Otherwise, there's no hope for you. Uh, so we just encourage you to do that if you haven't done that. And, and by the way, if we're God, then God has a problem. You know why? Because then God would be a sinner. Because we're sinners, man. And God is not a sinner. As I mentioned earlier, God is light in Him. There's no darkness at all. So uh, that's just a lie from the pit of hell. So we just want to encourage you guys to uh, recognize if you see some of these things being taught uh, in your church uh, lovingly uh, and pray and seek the Lord, but confront them uh, because if it's a church that claims to follow Christ, uh, you might go to the leadership that's allowing it to be taught or is teaching it and say, hey, 
you know what? No, we don't need to forgive ourselves. And we definitely don't need to forgive, forgive God. And, and, you know, and we ourselves are not gods. And, and Jesus did die to pay for our sins. It's the heart of the gospel. And, and on and on, many of the other things that we covered or if celebrate recoveries in your church. Let that, uh, keep in mind too, a lot of people just don't know. You know, for instance, Nick, you could have another brother who's not very discerning, young in the Lord. He's teaching alongside you and he just accepts these things. And then he brings them into his church thinking they're good because guess what? Rick Warren, you know, pspastors.com. He endorses a lot of this stuff. And then all of a sudden this stuff spreads throughout the church. And we have to keep in mind we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but the principalities and powers. A lot of these people are being deceived. So what you need to do is go to them in love and say, hey, let me show you the roots of the 12-step program and how uh, Bill Wilson and Bob Smith were in contact with demonic entities and basically channeled these 12 steps. And they basically did it, and the spirits did it through them to channel people away from the true gospel of Jesus Christ to find a false view of salvation. And they basically offer a false view of salvation. So I know we covered a lot of ground. We covered a lot of things quick. And uh, we just, uh, Nick, I want to thank you for being our special guest today. Hopefully <laughs> we'll have other times uh, when you're visiting in the future, Amen. get an update on what's going on in Blessed Hope, Idaho. Uh, if you're anywhere near Idaho, you're moving toward Idaho anytime soon, uh, there's a really, really awesome church out there. It's Blessed Hope, Idaho, in Star, uh, where Nick will be moving uh, Monday, just a few days from now. So we thank you even more for being here because I know you're helping your wife move and everything. And we had a great meeting with Steve, another one of our elders, uh, and, and your wife and you uh, last night. And uh, we had a great time just uh, praying through things and um, talking through things as to, you know. So if you're listening and you're at the Blessed Hope Idaho Fellowship, man, praise the Lord. You know, <laughs> we're so excited for you guys. And uh, we love you guys and miss you guys. And, and for all of our family out there that belongs to the one true church of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of our brothers and sisters that fear him and love him, we love you guys. And we praise God for you guys. And let's keep our hands on the plow. Let's not look back to the world. Let's keep going forward. Let's keep walking in the Spirit so we don't fulfill the desires of the flesh. Let's keep standing up for Jesus. Let's keep fighting the good fight, laying hold on eternal life, and let's uh, keep the faith. Amen. Uh, we love you guys, and praise God for you guys. God bless you and Jesus. Have a beautiful, beautiful week. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.